0: and then suddenly I I, I passed by Oranian Plus. For me, it was like a bell or something that clings into my mind that, oh, that's something I knew. I don't need an explanation. This must be a, a refugee occupation.
1: Hi, my name is Bijan and you are listening to the first episode of Undisturbed. I'm a refugee living in Germany, formerly being active in the political scene of the students' movement in Iran in 2000. When I came to Germany in 2019, I tried going in the way of understanding the different tendencies among leftist and anti-capitalist activities here. So to learn more and understand the German and European opposition movements better, I decided to find people who were or are active in the left scene in Germany and Europe and ask them about their experience, so that I can find out the dimensions of the movements firsthand. In Undisturbed, I interview a variety of different intersections of the left movement in Germany and Europe and try to find the similarities, contrasts and critical moments among them. So Undisturbed is basically my way of understanding the left movement in Germany through the eyes of different activists. In 2012, a group of refugees and activists decided to set up camp in Oranienplatz Square in Berlin's well-known neighborhood, Kreuzberg. The discourse of these activists consisted of different demands from lifting the legal limitations put on refugees to criticizing the whole asylum system in Europe. The Oplatz Squad continued up till April 2014. In this episode, I talked with Mohamed Lamine Jadama, Mohammed was a photographer who appeared in Oranian Platz scene right since now. 2012. Yeah. Uh, cool. Cool.
0: This is a yes. Well, a chair of his kind of studio, meeting room, and so on.
1: I'm very pleased to be here today with Mohammed Lamine Jadama. He was active in Oranian Platz movement and Gerhard Hauptmann Schuler. A school that got occupied a couple of months after the main camp in Oranianplatz. Hi Mohammed. Thank you for accepting to talk with me. Please introduce yourself and tell me a bit about the country you came from and the situation you observed before leaving it.
0: Good. Um, my name is Mohammed Lamin Jadama. I was born in Senegambia region. Uh, today is Gambia and Senegal. I mention it that that way because I mean, people are the same in this region. Almost everything, culturally, way of life. I mean, and uh, food, dressing, religion, and some things like that. But I mean, colonialism came and uh, separate and set up a. Uh, Boundaries between these two people. So still, I, I provoke that mentality, that way of life, then I call myself a Senegambian. Well, before I left, uh, uh, things were very difficult in the country, in terms of uh, the living, and uh, mostly I think 95 or 90 percent of the population are Muslims. We have Christians, we have non believers in the country, and uh, we have also a hierarchy system that you know mostly men uh, rules in the compound or in the houses, mostly are ruled by the men and also. Uh, grown up in a very extended families that uh, we support one another even today that's a culture there that maybe one out of eight people will be under one person that will be taking care of all those eight people when the one person got an opportunity to hold a position in the government or employed he will take care of the whole family Uncles, niece, uh, brothers, sisters, his own sons, and daughters, all will be depend on this person. So, this is a uh, uh, very typical layer dependency. People help each other in that sense to, to, to express a love in between one another. When someone didn't get the opportunity in the family, so other people or other Family-related relatives will help the person. So this is the culture that you know we we yeah we inherit from generation to uh, generation. From 1994 up till 2016 um, was a difficult moment for many Gambians because uh, we had uh, a dictatorship ruling. So that's why many people decide, either you end up in the prison or you left the country. But still, um, it's a country also that, you know, 60% or 70% are, depends on the on migration. Migrants who went out or their sons, uh, nephews and things like this. The money that they send them back, this is what uh, majority of the population depend on, because um, yeah, there is a lack of employment, and uh, this is something that is it's there. So government was failed to employ the people, and the income of the people was very low there. So these as a result, many people went out, migrated to United States, UK, or in the Europe. So these also play a major role to help the families there back home on migration. So right now, from 2016 to up till now, I think um, the government changed back to the civilian rule because from 1994 it was. Um, a military regime. It was a military officers that t- took over the power, and uh, they became a dictator. Um, but now, into, from 2016, uh, it changed from that uh, dictatorship regime into civilian rule. But still, people are struggling for employment, poverty, and yeah, corruption and. Uh, Yeah, so many things, though it changed, but still, I mean,
1: The Gerhard Hauptmann-Schule Squad, which was located at the heart of Kreuzberg in Berlin, was taken by the leftist scene and refugees in 2012, only weeks after the whole Oranian was squat. At first look, it is a big place where people connected with Oranian Platz movement could actually sleep in.
0: Well, uh, the first day when I came there, it wasn't a big surprise for me because I saw 10th a uh, few tents were there and the info point whereby any activities uh going on inside the uh the occupation there you know kind of has to be neg- uh, talk in the info tent, and that you can ask people tourists were passing by or even the Germans to ask the information why they are there and uh, what is their demands what was sort of troubles that they were facing in their camps so this is the info point there you can um, get all those information and the cooking shift you know because there are there was a shift that some people has to cook these days and other people has to go for shoppings and things like this Yeah, but uh, yeah, if you just step at the door, you know that yeah, this is an interesting uh, place. That because it's a kind of a free zone. When I entered in the rooms, because it's like you go outside and pick the mattress, and then come it, and put it on the floor. So sometimes eight people or more living in one big hall or in a one small. Mm uh classrooms or things like this this is how people are living so when i entered there you can see the smoke inside but i mean it's chill normal and people are friendly but uh you cannot guarantee all these people that you know yeah some scenes were happening there school also was uh, crazy because at that time it was not only the refugees uh africans or the asian or migrants from other countries living there even the germans were there roma people were there homeless people all over the world were living there so women families all of them were living there so for me that point was very useful if, for example, this place was organized and keep on that spirit. But at the same time, there was so many violence. You no know, people are fighting. There always one guy who was even stabbed to death there. So I think these kind of negative scenes give um, Berlin Senate more weight to argue that these people have to go they have to close the school so one day they just attacked them there and then some people went into the roof of the building so i think they remained there up till nine days and then that was the time they had a negotiation with they had to negotiate with the authorities that they can leave there but uh, these are all (laughs) something that never be long last they stay there though for some couple of months but uh, later they were, yeah, case them out for
1: Shula to me is at the same time a resistance toward gentrification of the area Shule was there till 2014 and many refugees and activists used its space to live the way they liked until the end when it was eaten by the growing economic demands on the area Please tell me about your role there both existentially and then toward your photography experience
0: so when i came, when I was doing photography and then I, my intention was to make a photo of the info tent, and then I was the camera was in my on my eye and then suddenly the guy just appear in front of the camera was like zoo so. and make his hand like zoo so. and then I hit yes hands. open his arm and hands like this and then I hit the button and then the, that became like wow it was focused, and it was, he was smiling, and then it fit, you know, that what I want to, not only the tent, but it contained the image of a person. So that was one of the beauty, beautiful pictures so far that I took it at Iranian Plaza. And then I did uh, twice um, an ex- exhibition. One was at the photo gallery in uh, prince Laubach. So, this picture was, I selected as a a cover picture of that exhibition. Mm -hmm. I came here, I think, October 2011. Then, I was new in the city. I had some crazy, difficult moments of finding out um, uh, things. Uh, It took a while. It took me a while to find out. And then, suddenly, I, I, I passed by Oranian Plus and I saw tens people and I it just because it's just that was for me it was like a bell or a, something that cling into my mind that oh that's something I knew I don't need an explanation this must be a, a refugee occupation so one day I passed by there with my camera but with my camera in such a situation, a black person or something like this, it was difficult, but somehow, kind of people were skeptics about a camera, for example, or I think that's something related to the bad experience that people had with uh, journalists, or white journalists who come in and took a picture and narrate their own story, without getting into the people on the ground. So these, uh, many people have a skeptic when they show me with the camera. And then as soon as one month, two months since I I discovered the place, it's becoming every day expanding. If you are sitting there for two hours, especially the following summer, you will see somebody grab a mattress outside or from his head or grab it with um, a trawler something like it bringing in you will see someone over another corner there uh, setting a tent you will see someone going there coming with the woods uh, building a tent so this is kind of continuation it's getting expanded people are coming one after the other it's getting expanded until at the time that you know they Decide to demolish. Funny location, funny time, and the people who are living there because it's just close, just next to the Golisa Park. Golisa Park, if you, we all knew in Berlin that, you know, it's a one very famous for uh, a drug scene. You know, even I don't know if that's reality or not, but in, in, the picture that Golisa Park has. And then the, the people that they call illegal people in Germany, you know, are living just next to that place. So you can imagine the pressure of weed or drug that will, you know, because mostly here people, if you ask them why you drug, you use drug, they say it because of, I am stressed. I just want to relieve myself out of the stress. So close to that Golisa Park, I think that was another problem that, you know, the Senate was even using it more, you know, has a propaganda that uh, these people living in the school were criminals. They have something related to the Golisa Park. So for that reason, if they don't stop them, they will not control the situation in the Golisa Park.
1: So, you were a photographer also in Italy. Tell me a bit about your work in Italy. That's
0: starting, I think I started then I was in Italy because my first project that I worked was in 2010. Then uh, that was a project called uh, Moving City in Milan. So this, I was documenting the um, uh, cultural events like uh, uh, religious ceremonies, uh, uh marriage ceremonies naming ceremonies all sort of you know cultures that you know people bring with brought with into the city like uh, eritrean communities afghan communities uh, pakistani communities west african communities when they are uh, performing a naming ceremony so these are collections of things that you know came into the city Migra- what migration brought into the city these were, those were the pictures i start to uh, focus on and then later i i followed um, online online newspaper it's a magazine biweekly magazine called afroline so this also the focus was um uh, migrants uh, africans in diaspora migrants and so on yeah, that was, I think, between 2010 and end of 11.
1: When you look back at Oplatz, what achievements do you think it brought about? What failures were there?
0: What are your thoughts? It uh, There was a big achievement because uh, the products that, you know, I mean, Oranian Plus created, I am among of those because uh, when I came here, I found that occupation and I... I, I went several demonstrations with them and I was listening to many of the people in the, when there uh, is a political event there that gives me a courage and I learned a lot from them. But um, another part that I maybe said as a failure was that, you know, we migrants, we the people who came into European communities, Mostly, we we trust them a lot, much more than ourselves, because I mean, this in from the history, this is what has been uh, happening to us. This is how they, they they penetrate our lives, since they came with the idea of uh, yeah to, to 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 establish something that you know will make us civilized. Uh, they colonized us. they left out something that still is within us that we are not trust in ourselves. we trust them more than ourselves. we don't take ourselves seriously. So I think these are the, the things that you know happens, and then in the end, that was what brings the destruction of colonial plus. Because Oranim Plus was not um, damaged by physically by the police or Senate. Sen, it's among the refugees themselves who are, li- who are living there. So as I said before, the promise give a false promise to one faction, fraction of the people that okay. Th- th- try and convince others and demolish this, this place so that uh, we will give you a normal house where you, you will go. But before that, the here and we will give you also a small money. This is what later people find out that there are group that, you know, they use to, you know, to stand opposite against the orders. So, I mean, that's I maybe say a failure. But um, apart from that, it was a big step. And it makes a lot of things visible uh, in Berlin, most especially about the refugees' movements in the, in Europe or in Germany. space or a green space that, you know, are under control of, of the government of Kreuzberg. So no one should stay there. So this was the argument that they said. And uh, the neighbors also are not comfortable, but I'm not sure, because the the surrounding areas, there are people who are living there, though they complain about noise. But uh, some of them also are very involved; that uh, they pay their tax and they, yeah, they support people there. But um, the claim that government was giving was this is a, a public space that no one should uh, stay there. Or, but uh, yeah, this is so far that I experience in the Oranian Plus there was a political agenda. But in the school. I maybe say very few people involved in the, the idea of this political uh, pressure or to to press, put a pressure on the government or to, to demonstrate why they are here, to come together and do something. Uh, mostly people just use the place as a sleeping place and go out. But uh, in, at, at the Oranium Plus, yeah, use also the space to, you know, to to hide out, as a hideout, you know, things like this. So the school was, uh, had so many different directions than the Oranium Plus. Oranium Plus is, yeah, mostly people focus on, you know, to to make changes in the political system. And uh, and they have a lot of left-wing people as well. Also they are supporting them who are not homeless people, who are like Germans, but uh, they are left-wing people. So that's the difference. You told
1: me many times, many conflicts came from inside the refugees. Can you tell me
0: more about this? In 2011, um Libya was attacked and uh, many people came so there was a group that called Lampedusa Group. This they came lately and um for them they have an argument or oh, Senate in Berlin was giving them a kind of a hope that your story and the story of others are different. So people who came before you, sub Saharan Africans, South Asian people Their story and your story, or people from uh, later on, uh, uh, Syrian came, but uh, they were not that much uh, Iranian plus at that time. The the main trouble was in between the Lampedusa group and then the group that those who occupied Iranian plus before. So the system was kind of giving them, each and every one of them, a different direction so to me it was a trick to the government or to this uh, the politic that trying to separate them because this is mostly their tactics divide and rule so this became something that grown up until in the end they used the same people to fight against one another so this became the end of this occupation at running plus but before that people are aware some people occupied this in this, at this in the school already at Geharthog Sula, So Iranian class was first demolished and then some months later, they attacked the school again also. So for them, they have this argument that because we don't want to come to Europe, it was Europe or the NATO bombardment of uh, Libya. So, and Libya was the place where we were living. Everything was okay. So they damage Libya. So that's why we came here. So this group was also kind of having this argument. But others who see that, you know, to me, everyone comes here should have an access to, 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 to be here because they want to be here. Either you came for study or you have a political situation in your country or not. Because Europeans were not asked by these questions when you move to Africa or you move to somewhere else outside Europe. No one will ask you why you came here. You have to tell me the reason. They will just say I'm a tourist or I am just in here for a holiday and you can live there forever. Nothing will happen. But for us, when we are here, you have to explain a reason why you are here and they put you under categories of refugees or good refugee or bad refugee. So this confusion, this, you know, they use this to, 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 to make people fight against one another. So that's why Lampedusa group thinking that they have this weight, they have this argument that okay, it is the fault of Europe, so they must take our responsibility. And then Europe said, okay, the authorities here also said, okay, yeah, you have a different case. How about those who came before, who are economic migrants or political migrants so these categories this is how they are info mostly so so that to bring confusion but if people were united fight one voice under one voice i think this will you know give all of them a chance order something else but you know this was the differences between or yeah. kind of a conflict that had
1: How does a photographer like you meet with Oplatz? How did your professional eye saw Oranian Platz and the Shuler?
0: I was very inspired by pictures because for me since I was a teenager I, I love photography and I was having um my own camera that um I use it for fun. So when I came to Europe and uh What inspired me was to narrate my own story, to make people to understand how life is when you leave, left your home countries, especially when you came to Europe, because the expectation that um, we have about Europe, uh, I mean, um, these are mostly false. So this is why I I went back to a camera try to document my own life so that I can I can uh, narrate my own story uh, to make my people back home where I came from understand um, because um, sometimes I, I experience both direction of uh, like writing articles in terms of informing people and also speak to the people um, uh for them to understand what you are trying to inform them or film so these are different ways to inform people but what i found on photography was that you know even if you can't read or write or understand english if you see the picture that you can you can understand because i understood that you know photo pictures speak more than a tax.
1: How did you form yourself better in Germany? How do you observe your development in this society?
0: Not count as a legal person. The system always called me illegal illegal, and uh, you cannot do anything. But what I capitalized was uh, to engage voluntarily with the society, with the project that gives me a lot of recommendations gives me a lot of experience then now when i went to any i go to any office that asks me for uh, practical experience uh, i found it very simple because i mean this is something how i've been doing for almost five years so when i got a job that i applied a job that i want if they ask me those qualifications i uh, for me not theoretically but practically it's already, always there. So sometimes I just when I I mean I was I was doing a course about uh, you know social social work. <laughs> I mean I passed by some, some some moments I was just laughing inside me. I was say uh, these these methods, you know, I passed by these methods for, <laughs> since five years. So for me I was just sitting there enjoying time <laughs> with them. Because I know I got the experience. I am there just to be satisfied, certis- just to get um, a certificate. First of all, I I was trying to be independent because uh, the social guilt or the social benefits that you know they are giving to we the migrants here. I suspect there is uh, something behind it. When they are giving you, you are taking it. Huh, I, I suspect that they put more pressure, more pressure on you. So first of all, I was thinking of how can I have my independent thereby I will do things what I want. And for me also, um, uh, it's very important that, you know, any society that you are living in and uh, you try it and understand the, the nature of that society how people behave, what is normal in that society and what is not normal. Because uh, it's a learning process for me that uh, we the migrants have to learn, but the society also have to learn. So these, uh, I mean, I try to surrender all what I came up with. I I first try to understand the the, the nature of the society that I am living. And if I knew this already, then uh, I will try to teach them as well. I try to share my, or I do vice versa. I try to uh, uh, make the society understand who I am. And first of all, I'm a human being based of my color. Where do I came from, my religion, and things like this. These are something else which I think is inside each and every one of us. So for that differences, those are, those are something natural, we can't change them. But uh, a point that uh, is missing in between is that uh, uh, respect has a human being and uh, superiority that uh, white people most especially think they are, where they uh, label themselves. This is a problem that, you know, make even us to come here. Because uh, if there is uh, nothing like these so-called superpower countries uh, or idea of colonialism or these capital uh, mentalities, people should have uh, stay friendly. People should have, you know, live in a societies that, you know, we will welcome each other without... Uh, been judged by our judge one another based on our colors where we came from, but this is the problem that European must especially establish. So when we came here, I think the um, cause of this problem is by the Europeans. So for me, this make me now to realize of myself and to show them that you know, hey, you what you think about us is not. It's not realistic and that it shouldn't, shouldn't be something that you should think about other people as a white person, your privilege and uh, how you think about other people. This should be something that you should rethink, rethink of it. and then so that, so in order for us to live in a society that each and everyone will f- live in a happy life with respect, despite our differences of our colors, where we came from. But this is the tough thing to make them understand, because as I said, this is how they believe in it. This is how they, 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 they grown up the superiority. Uh, you know, yeah, these privileges, if you are trying to make them understand this, still you found a resistance. Or the way they talk, I don't know.
1: Well, thank you very much, Mr. Jadama for taking the time to share your story with us. But for the next episode, next month, I temporarily roam in Greece, of all places, to interview one of City Plaza Squad's starting members. He will tell us a different story of an occupation in Greece. I hope I can bring you good voice. You can listen to Undisturbed every month through your favorite podcasting app. Undisturbed is produced by me, Bijan Sabak, and is part of Colorful Voices radios around Germany. The music of the podcast is produced by Jonas and Justus, fully diversifying and intentionally disturbing Kashmir's Undisturbed. Undisturbed is published with a Creative Commons license. For more information and any critics or recommendations, reach us at undisturbed at I wish you a great week, so ciao, till next month.